Welcome to Seeking Alpha CEO Interviews. Quality of leadership is a decisive factor in stock performance, so we provide in-depth interviews with the best and brightest CEOs in the public markets. We publish limited excerpts from our interviews on social media platforms and the full interviews at SeekingAlpha.com and in the highly rated Seeking Alpha mobile app. To find the full interviews, open SeekingAlpha.com or the Seeking Alpha mobile app and search for the phrase CEO interviews or simply type a stock ticker into the search box. All right. Thanks for being back with us. We have Luis Marchand, president and CEO of Flora Growth Corp. Luis, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Josh. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate it. Um, I want to dive into a lot of things. You have a recent IPO last week, uh, a, a lot going on. But first off, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, of course. So as, as you mentioned, my name is Luis Marchand. I'm the president and CEO of Flora Growth Corp. Um, I have a very interesting background, both a dual citizen of Colombia and the United States. Um, spent the last 20 years working in corporate America, uh, retail and CPG companies. Um, the, the two that I want to hi highlight are Target and Macy's, in which I had multiple variety of roles, including supply chain, logistics, management, and sales. Uh, at Macy's, uh, two roles that I'd like to highlight for you and your audience. Uh, I was in charge of the sales organization for the beauty division, which was responsible for $3.5 billion in revenues in the United States. Um, and then I was also responsible for workforce management and strategy, responsible for customer experience for the company and the allocation of human capital, capital across the, all the functions in the organization. Nice. Um, yeah, with Macy's, you were the VP workforce uh workforce strategy and operations, right? Tell us maybe a little bit about how you were able to kind of use that and pivot into the cannabis space. It seems like there's a lot of, um, you know, good things that you learned while you were there and things that you were able to take with you. Yeah, of course. It's like I mentioned, my experience at Macy's has been wide and varied. Uh, I think one of the foundational needs of cannabis uh, cannabis companies today is to have a very good understanding on how to operate and how to execute. And that is something that I was able to do across my career at Macy's, um, especially the appropriate allocation of resource, resources, the setting up of the supply chain, and ensuring that you build a strong team around you to deliver on the strategic objectives for the company. Uh, but secondly, I was also part of the, of the beauty organization. And that, of course, had, had a lot to do with how to execute strategies so you can deliver on revenue goals, how to ensure that you develop great products alongside with your vendor partners and take those products to market in an effective way so you can maximize revenues and, and earnings. So both of those combined, uh, I think, have been funda foundational core skills that I've used in, in my current role. Yeah, I would imagine that's going to be uh, really handy to come in, uh, especially leading one of the, the largest production cultivation facilities uh, in Colombia as you're looking to expand into Asia in 2022, which I wanna to get to, cause I, I find that, that whole thing fascinating. Um, but first off, tell us maybe a little bit about Flora Growth Corp for those who um, haven't heard about it, haven't seen a ticker symbol FLGC and the recent IPO, uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, Flora Growth uh, Corp is a Canadian company was founded in 2019. Uh, most of its operations, about 95% of the operations, uh, the operations are set up in Colombia. And as you mentioned, we're one of the largest uh, all outdoor cultivators of cannabis in the world. 
um, we are the first uh, uh, all outdoor company to list in NASDAQ. And we did that in a direct IPO listing, which is, um, is the, the first cannabis company to do so. It's very un un unconventional. Uh, we wanted to do that, of course, because it, it showed the, the, we believe it shows the American investors and investors worldwide uh, that, that the investor community and the industry is ready to be uh, legitimized and take, taken more mainstream. Uh, but to go back to, to our story, uh, we have two foundational uh, competitive advantages. The, the first one, of course, is the incredible geography in which we, uh, we cultivate our, our crops. Uh, that has allowed us to achieve one of the best cost structures in the world at six cents per gram of dry flour. Uh, when you compare that to North American cultivation, uh, which, is, which is north of a dollar and 25 cents, we have a significant uh, economic moat there in terms, uh, in terms of um, cost structure. The second one is our portfolio of brands and products. And we have developed up to seven brands and across, across the board about uh, over 250 products, nearing 300 products across multiple industries in, in which we assess cannabis will, will disrupt. And that of course has allowed us to expand rapidly, uh, start generating some meaningful revenues, especially now in 2021, and then um, expand our infrastructure and our reach globally. So you mentioned that you were the first company ever, uh, first ever cultivation company to list on NASDAQ. I, that's important for a number of reasons to normalize the industry, like you mentioned. Um, so maybe we can touch on that as, as well a little bit more. But the process of going IPO is not inexpensive, nor is it a simple form that you fill out. There's several different ways that you can go about it. And like you mentioned, the dual listing or reverse merger um, or even using a specialty purpose acquisition corp has been a way that companies have used in order to get into uh, the public markets. However, you went straight through the IPO process. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it's, you're, you know, you're the first plant touching company to do it on NASDAQ. That's like you mentioned, that is a, a huge um, drive to show that you're transparent, legitimate, um, but I can't imagine that that process was easy. Can you elaborate a little bit on that IPO process? Yes, of course. Uh, so Josh, last year we completed a $30 million pre-IPO equity raise. And when we completed that raise, we were left with about 10,600 investors. And looking at the demographics of those investors, about 85% of them were US-based. And that immediately signaled to us the American investor specifically is very interested in a project such as Flora Grows. Um, and, and that of course signaled to us that the next natural step would be to list on NASDAQ. And we, we decided to take the route for all the reasons that you mentioned. I think it shows not only our investor base, how serious we are about our operation, but it also shows the, the broad investor community that, that cannabis companies are, are ready to grow from uh, become a regional and local players to become global players. And I, and I think that has been a foundational priority for us. We are developing a global infrastructure. We're, we're becoming a global player. And in order for us to do that, selecting a, an exchange such as NASDAQ and knew it, doing it as a direct listing was important. In terms of difficulty, uh, yes, Josh, everything, I think everything in the, in the cannabis industry has very high barriers of entry, uh, but that just means that those players that demonstrate that they can do things the right way and they can accomplish difficult milestones such as this one, uh, 
are the ones that are going to be uh, the, the top market leaders over the long term. I think getting into it is incredibly difficult, but staying has been a challenge as well. Uh, at trying to pivot to stay relevant, um, you know, with the changing tides is really important. Uh, but the, one of the major differentiators that I'm seeing right off the bat is low cost. Yes, terroir where you're at, phenomenal. Uh, cost of labor, being able to, to reduce cost of goods sold down to six cents is going to be uh, a market leader in cost savings. So with Canada producing at $6 a gram, and in the U.S. in certain regions producing at $1.30, that's going to be a phenomenal opportunity when international legalization opens up those barriers. Um, are you currently capable of getting into Canada? There's some sort of limitations, I almost say protectionism with, with the Canadian marketplace, but are you finding any barriers to entry um, into Canada currently as you try to get into Europe? Yes, yes, there's, there's barriers of entry into Canada for sure. Uh, they, uh, our sites are set into the European Union market as well as the, as the APEC market. Uh, we, we have a path to get there. And uh, over the next weeks and months, our, our, our investors are going to learn more about our global expansion strategy. But you're, you're certainly right, uh, right, Josh. This is not a matter of, of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when it's going to happen. Uh, this influx of capital uh, through our IPO and uh, as well as our raise uh, from last year will allow us to make some significant moves into expanding our global infrastructure. And, and it's for that reason, because we, we believe that we have a great product, and now we're going to just set up the distribution to ensure that we can maximize when barriers of entry uh, become more accessible. What's, it, what's that launch going to look like? So right now you're pretty much the largest producer in Colombia looking to get into North America and Europe. Uh, is that going to include, I think you have 2,500 different distribution channels, several hundred products. Is that same um, you know, product skew going to be your international launch into North America and Europe? Take us through that process. How, what's that going to look like? Yes, Josh. So Flora Growth operates on five different divisions. And first one and foundational division is our cultivation facility and our extraction facility. And our next division is Flora Beauty, which is our, our, all of our lines of topical skincare products, which were founded by Paulina Vega, who's a Latino female entrepreneur out of Colombia with a massive following and a great appeal. And with her, we developed two, two brands of products. Those, those lines are already on sale in, in North America. So we are, we're already selling some of our product categories, which is very important to, to highlight for, for your listeners. Um, the, the next division is, is our food and beverage division called Casa Whole Foods, which includes juices, chocolates, snacks, et cetera. And then our fourth division is a white label laboratory. It's a facility that can manufacture anywhere from cosmetics, skincare, dietary supplements, and phytotherapeutics. And then we close our fifth division with industrial hemp, in which we are, are finding ways to maximize the entire yield of the plant and develop products such as bioplastics or paper, or in our case, the first project, Stardog Lantro, which is the hemp textile line, uh, textile line. So the reason why I'm mentioning all these, all these divisions is because barriers of entry for each one of them are very, very different. Uh, some of the markets are very, are very easy to enter. We don't have any issues with textiles. Topicals are the first point of entry is, is, uh, is the, the one category of business where we assess is going to be 
um, a, a lot of uh, reduction in terms of barriers across the entire world over the next six months. And then of course, dried flour, crudes and oils is, is our ultimate goal. And we're rapidly working to expand to those countries where it's already allowed. We have identified a number of them already. Now, I have to imagine that there's gonna be some conservative areas, maybe Asia, uh, where you're able to get into the market and establish a brand through maybe cosmetics uh, and or, or hemp textiles. Um, I would imagine maybe South Korea is probably a, a good market for that. Do you currently have strategic partners or is that just a, you know, kind of an obvious spot where you guys are targeting? Where are you in terms of um, your expansion to uh, Asia? Yes, there's, there's a number of significant announcements that are going to come, come up over the next right. weeks and months. And those, those are like, they have been part of our strategic, of our strategic plan. And now that we have closed this chapter on the IPO, the real work begins, which is the international expansion. And, and Josh, over the next weeks and months, we will, we will announce our plans to expand into the European Union and into the APEC, the APEC markets, which as you have clearly identified, are significant opportunities for the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of investors are really interested, especially with your recent uh, IPO, um, I think there's also a lot to offer just locally in Colombia. The Latin American market in general uh, looks really exciting. Can you tell us a little bit about the local market as well as just what Latin America has to offer? Yes, of course. Um, clearly in, in Colombia, there's, there's, there's a lot of work to be, to be done. Uh, there's some lines of businesses that are very interesting, uh, in, specifically in that country. Uh, one of them that I'll highlight for you is custom formulas. This is a, a very exciting market with incredible margins, north of 70, 80%. And um, custom formulas are basically prescription grade products that, that doctors formulate for individual patients. And in our laboratory, we can manufacture those and, and, and give them to, to consumers. So these lines of business that are very profitable, margin rich, we're gonna continue to, ex, to expand in Colombia and the adjacent countries that have similar, similar uh, law structures. Uh, for us, this, the single biggest market in, in South America is Brazil, is the largest economy, of course, um, has very high barriers of entry and very robust uh, regulation, uh, re regulation structures. But if you're a, a player in our industry, we already uh, have gotten very good at understanding how to, how to launch and overcome regulations and ensure that, that we comply with the standards that are set out by, by countries such as Brazil. So you'll see our company in the near future expanding into those economies where we assess there's going to be a high demand for our products. You mentioned uh, when, when you were at Macy's, you know, obviously huge company, you learned a lot from corporate America bringing that over. A uh, strong team was something that you had mentioned uh, that, that resonated with me. And I'm wondering, um, is that something that you're building within the culture right now with Flora Growth Corp, uh, building a strong team. How important is that in the cannabis space with so much turnover, with bud tenders and kind of the nascent industry not really being developed? Um, are you seeing an importance uh, with a strong team with, with cannabis and Flora Growth Corp specifically? Yes, I believe it's pivotal. I think it's gotta be, it has to be a, a foundational strategy for, for competitors in the cannabis industry that want to become global players. Um, it starts uh, from the top, of course. Uh, we have a tremendous board. Uh, our chairman is, uh, his name is Bernie Wilson, who's a former vice chairman of PricewaterhouseCoopers in, in Canada. 
And then uh, also the advisors like Juan Manuel Galan, who's the author of the cannabis law in Colombia, the person that passed it through Congress as a three-time senator. He's a, he's a personal advisor to me and guides, uh, guides us in terms of regulatory environment, but also down to the, to the cultivation facility. And we, we have established very strict operational uh, standards, uh, which, which include, of course, the ability to, to receive global gap uh, for the export of the flower, as well as a national organic program. So our products are all organic. And of course, it's EU GMP standards for our extraction facility. Uh, those standards need to, be, uh, um, need to be supported by a tremendous and robust social, social responsibility program, which starts with our employees. Uh, they receive opportunities for education, for, for learning. We, we hire uh, only around the communities that we work and, we, and that we operate in because we believe that will, of course, not only grow the, 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 the economy of the, of the areas where we operate, but also increase the, the, the goodwill that the company has uh, in, in those areas. And that has been pivotal for us. Um, the communities where we operate, especially in our farm, are very thankful for the, the economic growth that we have brought to it. And of course, for uh, for the opportunities that we're giving our employees. Mm, that's awesome. Um, offering a lot of jobs, I would imagine, with uh, your your desire to want to use this IPO to expand your infrastructure. Um, I think there's what over you've got sixteen point six million, something like that. Um, yes. That's that's going to be an, a huge opportunity. I'm curious, what is what your strategy is, or maybe what your just general opinion on the market right now with the West Coast seeming to have some distressed assets, um, cheaper licenses that that is, whereas maybe new entrants um, in Arizona, you might see a rec shop going for twenty five million dollar license. I don't even want to know what New York would cost. Um, so strategically, are you going to be looking for new markets to, to jump into? Or are you going to look at some existing markets that are maybe uh, cheaper? Uh, how might you might, how might, how would you might expand uh, in the U.S. Uh, for legalization? Yeah, so a, a, a couple of comments here. Uh, we, we discussed, of course, the global marketplace. And you know, if you look at the global cannabis market space, it's about a $250 billion dollars. But of course, 40% of it, about 40% of it is, is the, in the United States. Uh, the market last year in the US, the legal portion of it grew at a rate of 46%. And that just shows that not only there are more users adopting, adopting cannabis, the current users are using more of it. Uh, so clearly there's a great appetite in, in markets that have even been developed. That said, um, the industry went to a period where spend uh, was, uh, was did, did not was not made with the same level of caution that it that it should be made, and uh, a lot of the assets that were that were invested on a few years ago are distressed, and that means that there's going to be a period of consolidation, and that presents the opportunity for for companies that have really strong financial disciplines that want to invest their their dollars in the most effective manner uh, to generate value for their investors are going to be able to take advantage of that. So inside of the United States, we're going to continue to uh, observe that, uh, that foundational strategy for us. But that not only applies to, to the US, Josh, it also applies to Canada and some other regions uh, where we see there's going to be an opportunity, including Colombia. Mm. Yeah, yes. Um, I think maybe a place like Oklahoma that has so many licenses, there's an opportunity for a lot of consolidation, but in general, there's opportunities for mergers as well as consolidation. 
um, down the road. There's, um, I think maybe just so built up, but uh, that's a good thing locally. Um, but eventually there's going to be a place like Columbia that where you just get everything. You're not going to, you're not going to get bananas in uh, Canada, for example. So again, a spot for the terroir and the labor and everything in Colombia, offering six cents, one of the lowest um, places in the world, 40% um, lower cost than, than your competitors right off the bat um, is phenomenal. You jumped in though, right before the whole pandemic, 2019, you guys were established um, just you know, a couple of years ago, phenomenal growth in just a short period of time. You able to kind of tell us a little bit about how you were able to pivot to stay relevant uh, during the whole pandemic. Yes, it wasn't it wasn't easy, Josh. Just as it wasn't easy for the majority of the companies, but um, our, our mantra in our in our organization is to ensure that uh, that anything that is worthwhile has to come with some level of complexity and difficulty. Clearly, operating our company and expanding our project in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, presented a challenge for my entire team. Uh, as most companies, we adopted very quickly uh, a, a virtual work uh, work policy, and as as uh, health uh, guidelines started coming out, we implemented those guidelines across all the entire spectrum of operations to protect the health and safety of our of our employees. And I think keeping a good balance across those, always keeping the the safety of our of our employees at the at the forefront, has allowed us to execute on our plans without compromising, um, compromising our team or, or of course our investors. Do you have any uh, crystal ball predictions? Um, it looks like Mexico is really trying to get some legalization. Um, you know, the US has got some FOMO in there too. They want that tax revenue. Uh, Israel might be the third, if not fourth, depending on, on Mexico's legalization. Just in general, uh, do you have any crystal ball predictions on where you think the industry might be headed 2022 and beyond? Yes, of course. I think I think it, it will, of course, vary by category. As I mentioned, topicals are going to be a category that are going to be openly openly and readily accessible worldwide pretty quickly. Uh, we're, we're already <clears throat> pursuing uh, Central America, as I mentioned, Costa Rica, Mexico. Those are countries where where we see a, a barrier, a lower barrier of entry. In terms of, of the entire cannabis industry overall, I think it will all start with, uh, with the US. Um, I, if, if you're asking me for what my expectations would be, of course, Senator Booker as well as Senator Schumer have been working on a highly expected uh, federalization bill that we expect is going to be on the floor uh, by the latter part of this year. And we should see some meaningful move on federalization Q1 of 2022. Um, and once that happens, uh, the rest of the of the world economies will follow. Uh, we we cer certainly believe that as goes the, the legalization in every state, you can see that in, in terms of the industry, how it, how it performs, uh, but also the decisions that are made globally are, are, being, uh, are, are being assessed based on what the economic landscape in the United States looks like. Mm -hmm. What would post-U.S. legalization look like for you guys if the, the floodgates were open and all of the, the, the global authorities gave the, the thumbs up? What would that do for your timing and your business plan and your strategy? Well, it's estimated, Josh, just in the U.S., once the floodgates are open, and that's precisely what will be. Uh, it will be a flood 
uh, there will be a, a demand and supply gap of about $40 billion, $40 billion just in the US. And that means that companies that are growing at a best cost with the best quality are the ones that are, that are going to be able to benefit from that demand and supply gap. Uh, companies such as mine will be able to fill a significant portion of that demand and expand uh, dramatically over the next number of numbers of, of years. So clearly the opportunity is, is massive. And as I mentioned, we have uh, one of the lowest cost structures in the world, cannabis is organic, and we are a very, very close partner in terms of Colombia to the United States. Um, I don't know if you've heard this, but Colombia is the number one producer of flowers in the world. It's the number two exporter of flowers in, in, in the world. 70% of the flowers that come into the US come from Colombia. So at some point, if you had flowers at home, you've had flowers from Colombia. And the cannabis plant is, is, a, cut, is a specialty cut flower. So clearly this know-how and the, the know-how not only from cultivation, but also supply chain into the United States will present a significant uh, uh, competitive advantage to, to my company in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it always surprises me when somebody wants to go to uh, a spot like Jamaica or whatever. I don't understand the the advantages. I get it, though. Columbia makes sense. You've got great soil. You've got great resources, great experience. I mean, the coffee speaks for itself, right? So you would think that um, other spot or other commodities would be good, too. Um, it's not too humid, so the flour isn't going to mold or anything. Um yeah, looking forward to to what that's going to be like for the local economy as well. Um, are they moving forward more out of a medical market and into more of a recreational model? And do you have like a time frame? What what is that looking like on the local level in Colombia? Yes, there is a there's a significant change to the cannabis law in Colombia that is in the in the president's desk uh, as of today, and it should take in, in effect in the upcoming weeks. Uh, that will allow for, for a number of meaningful changes. Uh, the, the first one and biggest one is the export of dry flour. And that, that means that uh, we're, we're gonna be able to export the flour all over the world and that will happen probably the, the latter part of this year. Um, the second one is the manufacture of food and beverage products with cannabinoids infused, infused in them. And then the, the third one would be an, a number of like ease, ease of regulations from the quota system and, and other. Um, that just signals that the government is, is, is slowly getting ready for, for an entrance from the medicinal market into the recreational market. Um, of course, my company has a robust portfolio across all those, all those industries. We're poised to benefit dramatically from, from these changes and the implementation of the cannabis law. That's great. It sounds like you guys are pretty ready for, for that change. Uh, ready for that. Absolutely. Um, that's great. Um, is there anything else that, that we, you know, that you want to talk about that maybe I didn't bring up? Um, there's the IPO, obviously, that everyone's taking a look at. Again, the, the first ever cultivar, uh, cultivator to list on NASDAQ without using, uh, you know, a reverse merger or dual listing or SPAC. Um, so, I mean, yeah, first ever all outdoor grower listed on NASDAQ. Uh, a lot going on. Uh, but is there anything else that we left out? Well, Josh, I think we, we had a, good, a great conversation. Obviously, I would love for your listeners and investors to, to uh, follow this stock, follow our news. There's going to be some incredible news coming up in the next, in the next uh, coming weeks. Now that we have uh, hit this milestone, we're ready to, to announce some of our expansion plans and our infrastructure strategy that has been in place for quite some time. 
Uh, and that, uh, th that strategy is going to, of course, evolve into, into a meaningful um, a success story for investors of, uh, of our company. And, uh, and like last I mentioned, Josh, you, you, you clearly know the geography very well, but I would love for you to come to the farm and visit our, uh, our cultivation facilities. It's not only breathtaking to stand in the middle of these fields with an incredible aroma, but also the geography is just one of the most beautiful in the world. It's one of the most beautiful in the world. And when you have the opportunity to visit, you'll, you'll, you'll understand very clearly why this company is going to be a global player um, for years to come. I, I would take you up on that. That sounds like an amazing opportunity. Um, any show, uh, any notes, um, links that is, do you have any links that we'd like to include in the show notes? Of course, uh, our in investors, if they'd like to uh, learn more about the company, could go to www.floragrowth.ca. Um, the, the entire story of the company, as well as all the URLs for the, 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 the brands that we have available to the public today are available there. Uh, that, that would be the, the time where I would, uh, the place where I would send your listeners. Perfect. And we'll uh, include those in, uh, in the description as well. So um, yeah, with that, I want to thank my guest, Luis Marchand. He's a president, CEO, Floor Growth Corp, ticker symbol FLGC. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canna podcasters right here on Pod. Connex, and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.